BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Throughout all the ranks, there have been many things that I have uh, been very proud of, fortunate enough to help deliver five babies, training thousands of guys throughout the guys and ladies uh, throughout the, the years. Uh, there's, a, there's a plethora of them, uh, Fran. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is soon-to-be-retired Chicago Fire Commissioner Richard Ford II. Commissioner, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for uh, calling me, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. The finish line of your nearly 40-year-long career in the Chicago Fire Department is within sight. Your last day on the job is April 2nd. What are your thoughts as you near this life-changing transition? What's going through your mind? Well, what's going through my mind is that how much other stuff do I need to get done? Um, uh, we're a world-class fire fire department, and without a doubt, uh, there's always things that need to be done, and uh, there's so many things that I wish I could have completed prior to leaving, but... Uh, I'm sure I will work with whoever's going to step in these, these my shoes when they leave, and uh, I'll give the him or her the recommendations to fulfill uh, what I think needs to happen to work with this world-class fire department. What's on your to-do list in these final weeks? Uh, clean up a lot of stuff, this, uh, just little, little things, and uh, reach out to the rest of the members and uh, just be grateful that uh, everybody is safe. They are uh, moving forward and uh, always seeking to educate themselves better for the future. I remember when Richard M. Daly uh, decided not to run again. He literally made a whirlwind tour of all the 50 wards, and it was like a goodbye tour, a farewell tour. Are you touring all the firehouses to say goodbye? Not all the firehouses. I, I did something that I don't believe was ever done before with the fire department, and that's uh, I did coffee with the commissioner. Um, uh, I will make it to all five districts. I won't make it to every firehouse, but I will make it to uh, every district for sure, and I'll let, my, let the district chief or the deputy district chief know what district I'm appearing at, and everybody, of course, will be willing and offered to come by and say hi and have coffee, et cetera. And what is coffee with the fire commissioner telling you? What kind of feedback are you getting? Well, generally, I got great feedback from all the members. Uh, and actually, a few things that I was not aware of that we were able to take action on and correct. 
that was beneficial for the entire department. So coffee with the commissioner was a hit. You are the second straight Chicago Fire Commissioner whose tenure has been cut short by the mandatory retirement age of 63. I don't know who they are, but they say that 63 is the new 43. People are living longer, working longer, becoming more productive longer. Does a 63-year-old mandatory retirement age for firefighters and police officers still make sense? I don't think so, but this all depended upon each person. Uh, each person has uh, a limit of uh, what they believe is good and, and, and uh, functional. Um, and I think it gives the mayor and the city of Chicago an option uh, if that person chooses to go past 63. Should there be a mandatory retirement age, particularly for the fire department brass, don't you lose a lot of the institutional knowledge that is gained? Uh, absolutely you do. But again, one of the th that's one of the things that I've also written down for uh, whoever's going to take over because that institutional knowledge is something that you have to continually push your younger people to make sure they, they maintain themselves in school so that they have the proper professional development in order to gain those uh, levels of skills, knowledge, and ability. If there wasn't a 63-year-old mandatory retirement age, would, would you be staying on? Would you like to? I would consider it, but I mean, that's something I'd really have to talk to my boss about. Yeah. You recently addressed your final graduating class at the Fire Academy, and you told them you don't know where all the decades disappeared to. You remember like yesterday being in their place and saying, wow, it's my turn. You remember being anxious, excited, and a little nervous until the first call came in. What are your most enduring memories of being a firefighter as you look back on your career? Uh, well, <laughs> there are many because I do have a long uh, career and I've been through uh, every rank that there is in the fire department. Uh, so again, as I said, when I not only do our first day in class in the academy that I have the, uh, I was fortunate enough to have the commissioner come in and speak to us our number one day. Uh, but then again, at graduation, uh, the commissioner came in and spoke to us again. And absolutely what he said was true. Uh, standing before him was the next firefighter, the next engineer, the next lieutenant captain, uh, and battalion chief, and somewhere along the line, uh, they're standing before us, the next fire commissioner. And I thought those words were uh, a bit misspoken, but obviously very true. Uh, so I, throughout all the ranks, there have been many things that I have uh, been very proud of, uh, from uh, becoming taking the first EMT B uh, class and becoming an EMT. Uh, to uh, I've been fortunate enough to help deliver five babies. Uh, my first very fire rescue, uh, my first uh, CPR where we in fact uh, revived a person uh, and then went by later on at Michael Reese and, and had a discussion with the guy. Uh, it, it, these things just, I mean, it, that's what makes it all worth it. Uh, training thousands of guys throughout the guys and ladies uh, throughout the the years, uh, being the co-founder of the International Fire Trainers, um, uh, writing curriculum, uh, 
and classes for a variety of ranks uh, of fire service. Uh, there's, there's a plethora of them, uh, Fran. Delivering five babies. I bet that's among the most gratifying. What was the most harrowing of those experiences? Uh, the, uh, the, actually, the second one was the one that kind of uh, uh, had us all. Uh, it, it was actually my first breach. Uh, and I was there, fortunately, with, with some of the best medics I've ever seen in my life, uh, Joyce Hoffman and... Um, Jesus, uh, um, I can't remember her name, uh, but we we assisted in just you know in asking the young lady not to push, not to push, and uh, we held got her right over to the hospital. Uh, got in and as we were resupplying our our, our equipment, uh, the doctors were able to uh, switch the baby around. The baby, in fact, was birth, uh, born, uh, and that was just again. Bringing new life into the world is a beautiful thing, and it's something that makes you really feel good. Tell me about some of the other calls you responded to that you will never forget. Uh, well, you don't have enough time to go through all of those uh, types of calls. But uh, uh, again, I mean, my first rescue, uh, something I'll never forget, uh, opinion. Um, where there were sort of uh, uh, some moments where uh, you, you got in the car, being a young guy, you're the you know, one that gets in the car and actually uh, uh, applies the neck brace and, and kind of calms everybody down when they remove the car from you uh, to uh, having to jump in the ri river to recover someone or uh, work with the train system on a recovery. Uh, it's, there's There's a career full of those, uh, writing, uh, the, as far as I'm, I know right now, uh, working with a, a bunch of people to write the rehab order that we currently use to having the first, and as far as I know, the only uh, food safety program in the nation. You actually jumped in the river to save somebody? What was that's, the temperature? That's kind of what happens when you have the young guy. The young guy kind of gets all the all the jobs not everybody wants. And kid, come on, you go. Uh, <laughs> was it dark? When was it? And how cold was it? Uh, well, no, it was it was during the summertime, uh, but it was a recovery. It wasn't a rescue. Uh, and uh, oh. the things that come along with that, too. But uh, being a young guy, you get all the fun jobs. Yeah. Wow. We see a lot of this stuff on Chicago Fire every week. I'm a big fan of that show. Is that a realistic portrayal? No. It's not? Why? How no. isn't it? Well, again, um, uh, you may not know, uh, one of our, one of our actually, uh, one of my, my early mentors, uh, Steve Chikorotis, is a technical advisor on that school, on that show. I thought uh, I recognized that name in the credits. Oh yeah, Steve. Steve's really, really a great guy, but he's a technical advisor there. And as we discuss, uh, at some points in the early show, it's very hostile. Uh, they take uh, writer's initiative. Uh, there's a step away from reality, uh, and it's just show business. So no, there's, it's not about reality on the show. So what? Where is it wrong? Where is it not accurate portrayal of the Chicago Fire Department? Um, there's a number of things that I'd rather not discuss it during this entity. 
Well, I mean, one thing that strikes me in watching that show is that they seem to run from call to call to call to call to call, and that's not how it goes usually. Well, that's not necessarily true. We have houses that are extremely busy, and they'll go from call to call to call. And there's, uh, uh, of course, having 2.8 billion people within the city of Chicago, you can have anything from an EMS call to a fire call to someone who's trapped. Uh, there's a... Uh, a gamut of things that can go that can take place, and which is why our guys and men, women and men train in such a variety of disciplines in order to use appropriate skills to mitigate that inc- any incident. So you don't want to tell us how that show uh, could be more accurate or where it goes a little off. No, I'll, I'll let the, the their have their creative creative changes uh, go forth, uh, but uh, especially with administration, because chiefs don't do what they do on the, on the show. Uh, that's not the way things work. Our administration doesn't have uh, tests that are every two weeks or whatever you choose to, to do that. Uh, it, it, that's that's administrative created creativity. You were also in the first EMT class as firefighters got medical certification that is now standard. How has firefighting changed over the course of your career, and how has the training changed? Well, the training changes because technology changes uh, along the way. What we use to build changes along the way. So, of course, we have to uh, change our training and adapt so that uh, we recognize and uh, adjust our procedures to use safe procedures in order to mitigate instances. Uh, when I first came on, um, we that was just the beginning of bringing on SCBAs. So uh, people were just starting with SCBAs on a regular, uh, regular, uh, regular basis. Uh, so SEVAs have changed over the years. Uh, our face masks have changed over the years, allowing much more of a better line of sight. Uh, we have respirators that we use when they're appropriate that can be used for an extended length of time. We have thermal imaging cameras that can show you exactly where your heat source is, or depending on how soon you get to an incident, you can actually see the footsteps of uh, someone who might be inside. So technology changes, and of course, we change with the technology to make it safer and accomplish our job much faster. Two-thirds of the calls for service are now for medical emergencies, only about a third for fires. Is that right? And how have you adjusted to that, and is more adjustment needed? Well, that's not exactly true. Our fires are up uh, specifically around the fact that we've got COVID and we've got many more people staying at home. Uh, so our fire calls are up. And, of course, the, EM, uh, the REMS, we adjust based upon uh, what's going on and recommendations from the CDC, CDPH, and uh, our Region 11 uh, providers. So what is the split right now uh, between emergency uh, medical and fire calls? And 60, 40. 60, medical, in 40. 60, 60, yeah. 60, yeah, somewhere, you know, it's almost 50-50 again. Uh, but, really? Uh, again, Is it almost 50-50? Really? No, no, no. I, it's almost getting back to. Uh, well, fires are picking up because more people are at home. Um, uh, fires also going down because we happen to be the one entity where when you have a robust uh, fire prevention unit, as we do in, 
public education unit as we do, uh, where we're actually flooding and, and, and working with the public, giving safety programs that, in, and in fact, uh, kind of force um, smoke detectors and CO detectors so our people are able to get out in a much faster uh, a time uh, when the alarm goes off to get those precious minutes to get out to provide the family a, a means of getting, escaping the fire and as much as damage done when uh, our guys pull up and go to work. So you say the fires are, are increasing because people are home more and they're about 60, 40 now medical to fires around there? Correct. But unfortunately, um, we and this year, just not Chicago, nationwide, uh, for some reason, we've had an increase in the amount of fire fatalities. Uh, and last year and the year before, we were able to reduce our fire fatalities by, by almost 50%. Uh, this year, we're still finding that we have a number of homes that don't have working smoke detectors. Uh, and as a result of that, right now, as we stand uh, on the... 25th of February 2021, we have 13 fire deaths this year already, where last year we only had 22 in totality. So we're on pace to uh, to really be up then, huh? Well, I'm trying to make sure. I'm, we're working with our chiefs, and of course we're going to hit the public again with public safety announcements. Uh, Home Depot, of course, just ran a program last weekend uh, where they're they effective, effectively uh, put out uh, 13,000 13, smoke detectors for 99 cents uh, so that we could have working smoke detectors available for the citizens in Chicago, of course, to hopefully stop any increase in that fire fatality. So the reason for the increase in fatalities is because people are home more and, and it's been such a brutal winter or what? What do you think? I think more people are home. Uh, people are home more uh, due to due to the pandemic, um, and safety sometimes due to heating situations. We're using our ovens to heat our apartments, or we're using uh, space space heaters that are not that are too close to something that's combustible. Uh, add to the uh, the ignition uh, of a fire. And is that why you signed on to the new smoke detector ordinance, the 10-year battery one? I mean, you, you didn't want it because you were afraid it was going to be too costly and discourage people. Will that make Chicago safer or what, what's going to turn this around, this surge in fatalities? Well, again, I think we have to we have to flood the awareness of the public in order to make sure they have a working smoke detector. Uh, we have to mandate that the owners uh, and management of rental properties put a ten-year smoke detector in. And yes, that does that did help me change my mind uh, because I'm more concerned with people having a working smoke detector. And I think this this new ordinance will help considerably. You took over at a challenging time. There had been a wave of retirements tied to a pay differential that had left CFD 25 short in the exempt rank. Uh, the year before you took over, 32 of the fire department's exempt ranks had returned to their career service ranks after Rahm Emanuel discontinued the longstanding practice of boosting the pay of exempt rank members in response to union contracts that the rank and file got with pay raises. 
the leadership vacuum then was in a crisis stage. How is it now? How did you ease that crisis? Well, uh, we worked with the uh, mayor's office and office of OBM, uh, as we are doing now. We're working to try to figure out a way in order to fix that problem uh, and build up that uh, exempt rank staffing that is there. Um, uh, How is it now? Is there a vacuum now? There is a vacuum now, but uh, how, many, how many how many openings do you have? Uh, actually, I have ten openings right now. Wow, that's a lot. Ten out of how that many? That is a lot. Ten out of how uh, many? Ten out of sixteen. Out of sixteen, one six. Correct. Wow. Uh oh. So, what does that mean, supervisory wise? If you you know if you have a major incident, do you, do you run short of? of uh, brass to call the shots? Uh, no, I, I will not run short. If we run short, I, I well, friend, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of safety. I have no problem with raising my head and calling in additional chiefs as we are part of the Mavis uh, coalition. If I need a chief from an outside agency, I have no problem with doing that. But right now we're working it out. Uh, we're, we're at a point where we can uh, have our people work a little bit of extra time. Uh, while we try to work through this problem with, with fixing the salary compression. And the mayor's office and OBM, they're working with us in order to facilitate that action. So what's it going to take to fill to fix the salary compression, which lingered, you know, it's been the whole time you were commissioner. How do you fix it? Oh, well, again, that's gonna, that has to be fixed with the mayor agreement and the OBM's agreement with uh, dealing with the salary and, and making sure the pension is not harmed. Because as it stands right now, it affects the pension of uh, members in the exempt rank at, the, at that DDC rank. So you would like to see her uh, to, to restore the pay raises as the rank and file get it, that the exempt rank should get it? That is correct. Yeah. And until that time, you're going to have a problem. Uh, we're going to adapt, modify, and overcome that problem to make sure the safety is always paramount. Yeah. You have police officers in your family. Why did you choose to become a firefighter instead of following <laughs> in their footsteps? Uh, oh, yes. My dad, my uncles, uh, auntie, sister. Uh, the majority of my people were uh, either police officers or working for the police department. Uh, I did not choose to go that way, and it did raise a few eyes during family events and Christmas time, so forth, so on. Um, Was that uh, a rebellion? Not, <laughs> no, it wasn't a rebellion. It's just my my choice, uh, and my choice later. I mean, I, I I took the test like everybody else did coming out of. Uh, high school. You know, we took the CBD test, the Illinois State Police, Cook County Sheriffs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, however, I was already working as a uh, fledged mechanic with 701, and um, I was taking college courses, and I wasn't in a hurry to just jump on anything in particular. Um, uh, dad, mom, uh, sisters, brothers, they, they, everyone was doing really well on the Chicago Police Department. That was just not my path. And when I made the path and uh, they made the decision in 1983, of course, they were real happy. They didn't understand it. But that was my choice, and I think I did okay. 
I think I would say you did okay. And you joked at your graduation ceremony that 18 of the 125 graduates uh, had turned in their tasers and firearms as police officers in exchange for face pieces and bunker gear, and that 14 of those 18 were Chicago police officers coming over to the fire department. Why do you think that is? I mean, Chicago police officers right now are under siege. That's been going on in Chicago since the court-ordered release of the Laquan McDonald shooting video, and more recently since the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and the racial reckoning that followed. Yet Chicago firefighters are still revered. They are among the city's most trusted heroes. Why do you think so many cops are coming over? Uh, I, I think, again, when you look at the total, uh, it, 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 you look at the total image, It's uh, we're 98% perceived by the public, um, and we have their trust. Uh, that, unfortunately, is not the same with our, our brothers in blue. Uh, and uh, them coming over is something that uh, I absolutely uh, I, I welcome, uh, along with, uh, you didn't mention that we had 27 people who came from the military, and I, I, I did at the, at the graduation thank them for their service and, again, their, their continued dedication to public service. Uh, but uh, uh, that that comment was made to be a little uh, a, a joke also. A joke, but also <laughs> it was important because it was a lot of people, a lot of people coming over it's, for it's, good reason. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm sure they will do a phenomenal job. And as I said during the graduation, I wish them all a long, healthy career and uh, many promotions along the way. But it's probably going to continue, isn't it? I have no doubt that it will continue as, as we go forth. But uh, it might uh, even I mean, uh, gain some steam, you know, with with the <laughs> pressure that cops are under. You know what I mean? It's really. Well, well, yeah. Again, we we welcome brothers and sisters from all over the world, uh, and, a, and a more diverse group, and a world class fire fire department is is a great thing. Uh, we welcome that, that diversity, and uh, I'm glad to have them here. And um, hopefully, they they have long illustrious careers. The Chicago Fire Department has undergone a ton of change over your years, but cha changes. Uh, charges remain that it still doesn't reflect the racial makeup of Chicago. There has been progress toward diversity since the consent decree over hiring in the fire department and the racial hijinks that we saw in that video at Engine 100 and the racist transmissions over fire radio, but not enough. You have personally fought this battle. Have you ever experienced racism on the job and what do you think it's gonna take to have a Chicago fire department that really reflects Chicago? Well, again, uh, I came on during a time that was actually a little bit troubled. Uh, I don't think there'll be a person of um, uh, African-American or Hispanic uh, uh, lineage that won't tell you at some point in time, especially in the early years, that they didn't have some type of uh, harassment or discrimination take place, but we endure. Uh, we move past it and we move on. Uh, what I think we need to do, uh, and I, I meant what I said when I took my oath and I was sworn in, I will not tolerate harassment, I will not tolerate discrimination, and I do believe I've terminated enough people that it's clear it will not be permitted. 
I think whoever takes over the reins after me has to take that same stance uh, in order to bring on and, and increase the diversity we have in our department. It has to be done through recruitment and testing. You have to bring people in in order to bring them up. Currently, we're the better part of 70% of our, our department is Caucasian. Uh, with a little over 21%, uh, excuse me, 19% that is African-American. And those numbers can only increase when you bring people on in the beginning. So that's through that firefighter rank all the way up. That's through that single-role paramedic rank all the way up. We have to have testing that takes place every two or three years, and I have lamented that for, I don't know, the past five, six years. And right now you're doing it every how many years? Well, our last test was actually 2014. Uh, in that period of time, between 2014, uh, the police have had five tests that have taken place. We're supposed mm -hmm. to have a test in September of this year, um, and I'm hoping that, that that test does go through. But that testing should take place with a robust recruitment program and testing that takes place every two to three years. Period. Yeah, that's got to that's got to be the, the that's the path to diversity, you believe. Yes. And uh, you're 63 years old. You're a skilled mechanic. You were a transmission specialist. You're an avid motorcycle rider and a computer geek. You have many working years left if you choose. What's next for you? Well, I'm told uh, that. Uh, with just one phone, no radios and scanners on, you can actually get a good night's sleep. You're I would told. really like to do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know this is true? I'm told that that's true. I truly would like to do some traveling with my wife and uh, relax a bit. Um, and then what? But I mean, you're not you're not ready to hang up your working shoes, are you? No, not at all. So what's next for you? After well, I've got travel, several offers from sleep. some departments across the country. Oh, really? So uh, you might become a suburban chief where, where it's easier, maybe? Uh, no, I didn't say a suburban chief. I said I had several offers from people across the country. Oh, I've got, okay. I, I've got a couple of offers out of country. Really? Uh, I am a co-founder of the International Fire Trainer, so I can always continue training overseas. Um, so we'll just take it a little bit at a time. So do you see yourself being a fire commissioner somewhere else, not a suburb, maybe some other town, some other city, some other country? Absolutely. Really? Okay. Okay. I can see that. Okay. Um, and any thoughts or recommendations to Mayor Lightfoot about who should replace you? Your first deputy is Annette Holt, the first woman ever to hold that job. She is also African-American. Is CFD ready for a woman commissioner? Uh, CFD is a world-class fire department. They are ready for everything. Would you like to see that, that, that glass ceiling shattered? I don't think I'm going to push the mayor that well. We'll, we'll have a discussion in a closed, closed area. And should your but replacement a, be... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, sir. Without a doubt, what? Uh, um, we have a number of people who are absolutely uh, on board and up to date 
with what's going on with Chicago and the Chicago Fire Department. My number two would be an excellent choice if that were uh, something the mayor wanted. Uh, mayor Sheridan, again, would be an excellent choice. Or for that matter, uh, Chief Himmel. Uh, but that's something I would discuss with the mayor in person. But it would be quite groundbreaking and glass ceiling breaking if you had a woman at the helm of the Chicago Fire Department, given the fact that women have also been discriminated against. I'll have to agree with you there. You'd like to see it? I'll have to agree with you there. Okay. All right, <laughs> Commissioner Ford, thank you so much. I, I wish you the very best of luck in retirement. I hope you get some sleep. I hope you get some travel after that. I hope travel is safe. And yes. then I will look forward to seeing where you turn up. And thank you so very much for joining us. And we will see you all next week. Thank you, Fred. Have a great evening.